What's going on, Cornhole Nation? It's around the ACL. It's Michelle Thompson here, joined by Trey Ryder and Anthony Ione. And we all just got back. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, what a burn. <laughs> we did not all just come back from Ventura. Salt the wounds. Salt in the wounds. <laughs> My bad. There's so many people there, Anthony. You know, it gets confusing. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> you know what's funny, Anthony? I was just going to stop the show and give Michelle a round of applause for her sideline debut but now she's just <laughs> throwing slinging right? jabs coming oh. out of the gate thought we were friends me totally we unintentional friends. did not mean to make that jab however i'm not <laughs> mad at it either uh so we a couple of us went to spencer mckenzie's and got to watch some awesome cornhole and um and some weather. I mean, it was definitely interesting. I did throw in it, and I have to say that I feel for some of these pros because throwing against or with the wind, and you try to adjust, and then the wind changes, and then it's all for nothing. And um, so it was really fun to watch this kind of tournament and kind of see how people can compete in a different kind of environment. Um, I know, like, I'm not, like, a sports person, but isn't this common in, like, golf where they have to have, like, different conditions for different events? Well, yeah, and even I even see something on a, a golf tournament. It's a great analogy because you'll see one of the things that um, it happens a lot. It's like okay, the group that came out in the morning, the groups that came out in the morning had an advantage because everything was wet, the ball was stopping, it wasn't it was you know not flying off the greens. If you're going to a course that's notorious for having just brutal glass greens, and then all of a sudden you get to the afternoon and everything's dried out, and you get back to those normal conditions that you're expecting. Um, that's kind of how it was here. Uh, you know, I made the comment on the first broadcast of the pro shootout that the conditions changed four times Friday alone. I yeah. mean, it went from dewy to then the dew was gone, but then all the boards were like, were, were I mean, all the bags were wet. So everything was, yeah. was sticky. Then the sun came out and then it went back to being fast. And then the wind picked up in the afternoon and then by the evening, it went back to being sticky because it was the humidity was back. And it was, yeah. you know, I mean, it was just, uh, and then it was cold, right? I mean, during the day, yeah. you were like, it was so funny seeing people like complete sunburnt faces with sweatshirts outside. Yeah, like, <laughs> it was, so uh, it was fun to watch, though. Fun to watch. And that's, that's, you know, I'm from California, born and raised. I'm used to beach weather. I'm used to the California sun. I'm used to just because it's overcast doesn't mean you're not going to get burnt. <laughs> so yeah. uh, kind of a, a, not a rookie in that department. So I was able to stay away from some of that. But um, yeah, it was a really, really fun event. It's really like busy and overwhelming and a lot of stimulation. So there was a point where I hit a wall and I was like, I just need to go retreat. Like I yeah. need a second to myself. Uh, but other than that, really cool. So let's start off with the pro shootout that happened on Friday. Um, I had a prediction that some of the carpet bag people would really succeed. And uh, that's not necessarily what happened there. Frank Maudlin took first place. Noah Wooten did take second. And then in women's singles, Yeti Irwan took first, Courtney Coy second. So Yeti got her win. I know you've been talking about her just pretty much every week, Trey, about this shootout. And um, and then for doubles, we had Bre Brevin Valdivia and Tyler Parent take first, and Trevor Brooks and Berkeley Pair take second, who were a, a show-out team for this event. Um, but what are some of your thoughts on all the winners here for that pro shootout, that last shootout, Trey? I think if you had gone down all of those first and second places with maybe the exception of Noah Wooten coming in second place, 
don't know, Anthony, you correct me if I'm wrong. I wouldn't have picked any of them. Yeah. None of them. I, go. I mean, yeah. literally first and second, aside from maybe men's singles, I, you weren't going to see me pick Frank Maudlin the wind. I saw his bat. It didn't make sense, Michelle. I watched him play a game against Jacob Drzinski. Throws a four-bagger. Three of the four bags midair start tumbling as they're in midair. <laughs> midair, they're tumbling because of the wind, and they just, like, found a way in. Cheater bags. <laughs> it did not make any sense. Now, once you got Frank, to me, it wasn't that imp- not impressive. It wasn't that surprising that once we got to the broadcast court, given that the broadcast court was a little bit more, it was it was covered, but it was also kind of enclosed. We didn't get a ton of wind in there. It was right? more contained, yeah, yeah, in that area. So, so we still got like, if it was sticky because of you know the humidity, it was sticky in there. If it was fast outside, it was fast in there. But the wind was kind of neg- negated in a way inside that facility. So it didn't surprise me too much that he had success once he got there. But to me, if you told me Frank Maudlin was going to beat Jacob Trzinski out in the wind, I'd have laughed at you. It didn't. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Right. And that's who he had to beat in order to get to the broadcast court. So. Um, was was just really impressed by Frank Maudlin. Yeti, again, sorry, inside, if you had told me Yeti Irwan was going to be able to sling it and get into a rhythm and win, I would have said yes, but she went through Courtney Coy and Megan Maupin on the broadcast court. I mean, she had to beat other players. It, it Again, it didn't make a ton of sense to me that, that Yeti Irwan was the one to win this one. I would have expected her to win one a few weeks ago, but not the one yeah. outside. And then even in doubles, right? I, I I guess there's something to the home court advantage with Tyler Parent and Brevin Valdivia. They've had success here at Spencer's, but they haven't had the success throughout the season like they have in previous years. And, you know, Trevor Brooks and Berkeley pair, again, Trevor Brooks never finished outside the top 10 at Spencer McKenzie's. He shows you why. He was, although he didn't play well in the finals of the pro shootout, he was lights out when it came to playing outside with the win. But again, yes, they're good for playing outside, but I wouldn't have picked them to win the whole thing when you look at all the talented, talented players that still hadn't yet won an event. So I don't know, Anthony. I, I'm interested to hear your thoughts, being someone that you know was, was kind of watching from the screen and seeing, because I didn't see a lot of live stream games. I was kind of running around doing different things, but – I was just shocked to see how it developed over time and that, you know, I expected different people to come out and be victorious, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I definitely want to get into the elements, but I think you touched on it already, Trey. I definitely wanted to take a moment to talk about the new sideline reporter, Mish. Hey, just congratulations on the new gig. I thought you did a heck of a job. Thank you. Definitely wanted to fire it up there at the beginning. But yeah, getting into the, the elements, though. That was kind of my big thought going into this. It was, uh, you know, do the outdoor elements affect certain players? Was it going to be a factor? So just kind of being at home and not being able to see it, I really went through some of the statisticals just to see what those looked like in, in an outdoor environment. And the answer is, is, and is an astonishing, hell yes, it is. I mean, ch- check some of this out. We had a legend in the game, a guy who's been around for decades, averaged a 4.92 PPR. We saw a world and a multinational champ average of five. And then I just looked at the whole field, across the whole field, and we saw a massive drop 
in the ability to put bags in the hole. I mean, as expected, right? I mean, the effects of the elements are going to be expected. But just an interesting comparison. I compared this outdoor shootout to the indoor shoot or the indoor tournament at Worlds that was just a month ago. So I grabbed one 64-person bracket at a Worlds indoor tournament. How many players, what percentage of players pro field through above a nine indoors at world? The answer is 53%. So then I said, what does that look like in this outdoor tournament? What was 53% indoors dropped to 17% outdoors <laughs> for this shootout. So a massive, massive drop. But who wasn't affected by the elements? Jay Rubin is as good throwing outdoors as advertised. This dude threw a 9.86 over 35 rounds. Jeremy Frazier looked good, a 9.79 over 24 rounds. You mentioned Jacob Trzinski. How, how uh, Maudlin got through him, I'm not sure. But Jacob threw a 9.48 over 29 rounds. Really just outstanding numbers considering how badly the entire field uh, suffered from the element. But Noah Wooten, um, I, I think this dude has turned his game around. Um, I'm beyond proud of him. I, I mean... I watched him closely, that slight decline after the 2020 breakthrough, uh, you know, where, and let's not forget, he was a national singles champ. He finished third ranked in the world. He slipped, but now we're seeing this journey back up to the top. I'm really liking what I'm seeing from Wooten. Um, stay hot, my guy, because uh, he's just on the right track. But you mentioned Frank Mollen. I mean, how it happened, I'm not sure, because I was thinking the same thing you were, uh, Trey. I'm like, there's certain bag flights that we're going to suffer. And the fact that you're telling me that that bag actually rotated in air and still found the hole just kind of defies the, uh, the logic <laughs> for me. Um, but, you know, Maudlin, we're talking about a guy who had that heartbreaking loss at the shootout championship last year. He was our runner up. He had that big lead, lost it in the final frame, back into the mix for redemption. I mean, he's going to be tough, though. I think his first draw is going to be Jamie Graham. But Maudlin's a legend. I wouldn't be surprised if he took home that 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 uh, 40k. But to get into some more of the uh, the elements, um, I've I've maintained a hard line position in the 2022 season. That it doesn't matter how good your dirty game is, you straight up cannot win a pro level tournament of below nine PPRs. Now now Eric Davis has threatened that some, but even he won his shootout six with a nine four one. Clearly, this doesn't apply to the outdoors. Trey Meese, check this out. Your, your shootout number eight doubles winners. Brevin Valdivia and Tyler Parent won their bracket throwing sevens. Sevens. At first glance, I'm thinking, all right, the whole field must have thrown seven or less. You know, everyone must have struggled. Not the case. 60% of that bracket pitched a higher PPR than the champs, Valdivia and Parent. So I'm going, what the heck's going on? I mean... Maybe they were just always playing in the wind. They were always dealing with elements because it did show in their opponents. They outscored their opponents. They had an average one DPR both. That means their opponents were held to six. So their entire tournament was throwing sevens against sixes to win the championship. It just blew my mind. But congrats to those guys what, representing the West, um, um, You know, which, which, is what, which is what we like to see, kind of mix that up in that pro shootout finals. But you mentioned er Yeti Irwan. We've seen her struggles, right? I feel like there's just been this trend for Yeti where she's been struggling on the broadcast, struggling to finish. Clearly the lessons learned uh, from her losses and struggles have paid off. Um, where did, where, where did that shootout, what timing did that shootout happen? Trey, was it more in that evening where you were talking about more wind and slower boards? Or was it in the morning? 
Are you talking, well, leading up to, I mean, play started right at 9 a.m. and okay. went until the broadcast. The broadcast was five local time. So by the time they had gotten to the broadcast, they were, um, you know, they, they, they were in the, they were in wind. I mean, it was were windy. You getting, were you getting wind or elements through the, uh, through the broadcast court or was that pretty sheltered with all it was, the. It was pretty, pretty enclosed. I mean, if we got a huge gust, we can maybe feel it a little bit, but for the most part, the, and the conditions were, were lessened. Okay. Yeah, that, that definitely probably had to help, you know, uh, if it's, it kind of looked like I watched a bunch of feeds, you know, phone feeds. It looked like it was a little bit calmer in the day that it looked like it was kind of foggy and cloudy in the morning and then it changed throughout the day, but maybe the elements really kicked in in the afternoon. Is that kind of what you were seeing? A hundred percent. Yeah. That's exactly what you saw. Foggy in the morning. Then it got sunny with no wind late morning, early afternoon, but you hit two o'clock to four o'clock. And it was, that wind was whipping, whipping. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Well, um, anyways, to finish up Yeti, real proud of Yeti. So uh, Yeti from the home club, um, you know, getting her way in there, but she's going to pull Cheyenne Renner in the first round. I believe how that's going to work out. So that's going to be a tough matchup, but I just wanted to, just to conclude this one, Misha, just wanted to look at the women's real quick, just kind of a big picture. Um, If we look at our top eight women, our top eight women finishing in the world, four of those eight made it into the shootout final. So you're going to have Renner, Hunter, Belvin, and Irwan. That leaves four of the top eight out. Cassidy didn't make it. Altice, Martinez and Courtney Coy all out of the mix. And then who came in to steal those spots from some lower rankings out of the women's division? Number 10, Miranda Coy comes in and steals a spot. Vanessa Fillingham at 15, number 16, Samantha Finley. And number 19, Rosie Streaker comes in and steals a number a number eight spot. So um, shout out to those ladies. I'm excited to see how all this goes down, Misha. Absolutely. Can't wait myself. All right, let's bring Mike on for Morton Corner and see what he's got for us today. Welcome, Mike, to the show. Hey, guys. Recovering from Spencer's myself. Boy, that was a lot of fun. A lot of traveling, too, though. <laughs> so, Anthony, you you got us on that one. You're probably a little more well-rested, regardless of how busy you were this weekend. I'd rather be tired and sunburned. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you. I believe you. <laughs> exactly. So, so, before we get into any numbers, um, uh, just a couple little quick comments on on Spencer's. Um, yes, the wind was a factor out there, but having been there last year, I have to say it was night and day difference from last year. Um, Facebook popped up one of my memories from last year, and I had posted some videos of the wind. It was literally shredding the flags. The The flags were shredded. The wind was so hard last year. Wow. So definitely, I mean, that that's neither here nor there for this year. But it was a little bit uh, better this year as far as the wind goes. I think it was a little more normalized, if you will. Um, but with that being said, I do not think we can overplay this enough. Frank Modlin has deserved the, the moniker. I, I didn't coin it. I think maybe you guys did on the broadcast. Find a way, Frank. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> literally, is he not the most underrated player in the game? No one seems to ever talk about him winning an event. But he's always flirting there at the very end. He always finds a way to survive. And again, if you would have told me, and I'm a big Frank Modlin fan, if you would have told me that he was going to be sniffing the bracket finals at Spencer McKenzie's, 
I would have said you're sniffing something else because <laughs> it was not his conditions. I don't know how he did it, but he found yeah. a way. So um, I just have to give a big shout out to Frank because I think that's one of the biggest accomplishments on the season is to take your style um, and figure out a way to play in the elements that are not suited for it. So uh, congratulations to him. Yeah, yeah. no, I, 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 I agree. Find a way, Frank, man. <laughs> yeah, he just does it. And and he does it sometimes where, where you come, you get near the end of the match. You're like, okay, well, you know, so-and-so is going to beat Frank. Wait a minute. Frank's ahead nine to eight. Like you, you just don't even realize it. He doesn't, he does it in a way that's a little understated. So um, anyway, shout out to Frank. I don't want to beat that dead horse. Um, one other thing regarding uh, stats is just throw in there. When you're looking at the stats, if you're throwing against the wind versus with the wind, huge difference, huge difference. Neither one is easy, but when you're throwing with the wind, you had a little, you had a bit of a fighting chance to throw the bag up in the air and, and let it glide to the hole. Um, if you were throwing into the wind, sometimes um, there's a, a couple bags of game, probably you just had no chance. Um, it was really going to destroy you. The so, wind would take it and just go like left or right. Like you'd be like going and it's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys see any, any strategy on throwing with the wind or against the wind? Did you see players talking about that in, in maybe bag styles? Yeah, they never, they never, sw you know, most of the time I'm going to stay hand over board. That was completely flipped. Yeah, it didn't matter. So it was, it didn't matter. I was going to jump yeah. right to left of the board, but I was going to throw the entire day with the wind. Got you. That makes yeah. sense. We even, we even saw that on the broadcast court, which I thought was weird too. When I think it was at Spence, was it the Spencer's final? It was the final. Yeah, it was Berkeley Pear and, and Trevor Brook. They, they switched sides yep. right, left for the very final match. And had they won, that was going to be my question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, which I thought was interesting. Um, I'll put it this way. This is what sums up. You want to sum up Spencer's for you, uh, Anthony, in case you missed it, going into the, uh, to get into the Spencer's final four playoff. Right. So we're in the final eight, get to the final four. Emery Parker, and Alex Rawls taking on Ryan Windsor and Devin Harbaugh. Parker and Rawls are up 20 to 12. Oh. They score three points. They give up three points and it's 20 to 15. Alex Rawls throwing against Ryan Windsor and Alex Rawls threw a zero. Oh. Alex <laughs> Rawls. Number at one point, your number, your number two player in the world was throwing into the wind through the first one, trying to get through the wind and rocketed it off the back through the next one, nose dived into the front of the board <laughs> through the next one off the side of the board. God. And then at that point had lost Chuck, the Chuck, the last one up into the air through a zero <laughs> in that game. They were yeah. one point away wow. from beating Ryan Windsor and Devin Harbaugh, the team that won the whole thing. So yeah, that gives you an idea in the yeah. conditions was that yes, over the, over the course, you're probably playing, being able to play your game 50 to 70% of the time, Yeah, but that 30 to 40% of the time, it's just, it's Brutal. frustrating. It is yeah. frustrating. That's a good synopsis there. You take the quality of Alex Rawls and the clutch situation that he was in and, and how damaging the wind could be to a player of that caliber. 
that's that's it was was the was the wind consistently front and back or did you get yes. anything coming across the side okay almost the whole i i didn't i don't know mike maybe you saw it from a different angle but i almost the entire weekend saw I, a headwind backwind i'm sure there was probably some whipping occasionally depending on what board you were on but where i sat it was exclusively either directly in your face or directly at your back so it was it was pretty interesting. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. The wind is the the great equalizer. I would say the way I was trying to describe it to some people out there is if you don't have a tremendous amount of talent, and I'm trying to say this in a nice way, especially for the Spencer's event, where a lot of people are there just to have fun, right? They're there just for the atmosphere, to have a great time. Um, if you don't have a lot of talent, the wind is going to just absolutely, if you didn't have any chance before, you got less than zero chance with the wind. If you have, yeah, if you have a little bit of talent and you have the ability to win a match or two, um, I think it evens the playing field for that quality on up. Um, it, it really scrunches it down. The best players are going to fight it at times. Um, and, and I think it opens up the playing field tremendously. And that's why you saw some teams that were a little bit surprising uh, make some deep runs. Did you guys see any any? bag types that were playing better than others. I'll be honest with you. I, I thought I saw all the bat. Well, I, I won't say all, but a great variety of bag types performing well. Yeah. Okay. So it's interesting when my play was every single person I played in the rounders and in the bracket threw surefires. Pretty sure I didn't throw against any other bag. It's crazy. Really? That's funny. Aside from, um, there's maybe two teams. So I'm talking maybe 10, 10 games. I think, um, yeah, because Tanner Halbert and Easy were in my bracket. Obviously, they didn't. And then there's one other team. Other than that, it was like Surefires all the time. Surefires. Huh. Hmm. Well, it's a good, good middle those. hybrid speed, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, I just have a quick minute left to uh, to go over. If, if Trey, if you've got that graphic, just kind of wanted to – not really related to Spencer McKenzie's, but uh, quick look at some stats from the seasons. These are our top 20 combined singles and doubles um, statistical rankings. Um, just a couple things that I thought were of note on here. First of all, there's uh, in the PPR, I wanted to give a shout out to some players that might have snuck up on some people. Cody Johnson with a nice run there in PPR. Jimmy McGuffin, Mr. Airmail in the top 20 of PPR. Hats off to him. Um, some other names, Terry Mathis, Steve Schroeder, and Alan Rawls, all cracking the top 20 in PPR, I thought was impressive. Um, there is a stat on here over on the far right. That column is a stat that I just kind of made up on the fly this morning. I took the win percentage of your rounds, and the best win uh, round win percentage in the game was Mark Richards at 49.58%. I took your win percentage of your rounds and I took your the the percentage of rounds that you lost and subtracted that number from it to get the gap between the number of rounds you won and the number of rounds you lost. And so that's what that percentage is there. And Mark Richards led the way. Um, just absolutely dominant performance across the board in all these stats. The OE is your uh, overall efficiency. That's your PPR minus your DPR. And what I found was across those four statistical categories, the amount of consistency was was really neat. Mark Richards, Jamie Graham, and Josh Holland were all in the top five of all four statistical categories. And then Tanner Halbert was in the top five 
of three of those categories, and he was in sixth place in the other one, which was your win-loss. So, you know, basically four of your top five players were right there in every statistical category. So a, a sort of a statistical season of dominance, not only for Mark Richards, but from a lot of those players, just hogging the top of those leaderboards. Yeah, my only comment on that one is that looking at DPR, we have this mindset that we think that dirty players are going to have a high DPR. Carpet guys are going to have a high DPR. I don't see a carpet guy until I get to seven. No, so and as a matter of fact, stat. these are just the rankings, right, of uh, the combined singles and doubles throughout the year. But when you look at the raw number, the highest DPR in the in the game was Mark Richards at .88. And after that, it went down to .69 and .61. And there was only a total of nine players, only nine, that had a DPR of .5 or higher. Wow. You know, so I'll take that, that a step further. I, I only see three or four carpet baggers in the entire DPR rank. <laughs> so that yeah. theory might be bust. That theory might be bust. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've always said I, I don't – my only thing with DPR is if your PPR is lower, no matter how badly you're abusing opponents, you have less room, right? You have less room to be able to beat opponents. I mean, right. it's – and that's all your DPR is, right? How much are you beating your opponents <laughs> yeah. on average over the round, right? There's, there's really not a. And that again, that's sort of to the to the effect of why why the statistics bear out that that overall efficiency, your PPR minus your DPR, seems to be the best indicator of how you do in a tournament, because it takes both of those things into account, um, unless you gonna, compete I'm on gonna, an even playing field. Do you want me to burst your bubble, Mike? Oh no, what's that? PP PPR minus DPR is just opponent PPR. PPR plus DPR, not minus DPR. Oh, you said minus. I'm sorry. My my bad then. It's Got PPR it. plus DPR. Nope. Good. That's your that's your overall. <laughs> that's your overall. <laughs> I could have sworn the first time you said minus, and I was about to be like, Mike, that's I, no, that I, I heard the same thing. Okay, so. yeah, okay. Then, okay. I, right, that's my plus. bad then. It's PPR plus DPR. It, it takes both of those stats. It lets the uh the those DPR players and the PPR players you know, have at it. And when you look at these overall finishes, um, you, you could have either a high PPR or that high DPR, either one and, and do well. But what I also found that was very interesting to me was the number, the percentage of rounds one. Um, I need to do some more research on this, but the percentage of rounds one was also a very good indicator as well. So that's another stat that we probably need to pay a little bit more attention to moving forward is the number of rounds one. So I'm going to leave you with one thing and, and daggone it. Anthony kind of stole my thunder a little bit, but it's actually uh -oh. nice that he did. He did. There is a statistical anomaly. and He breaks every stats model that I put out there. Eric Davis. Eric Davis. Absolute just oxymoron. I can't figure him out. When I'm when you're looking out through the PPRs. Okay. You get down under the tens. You're at nine, nine, eight, nine, eight, six, nine. And then all of a sudden you get to, to Eric Davis, 8.93. Like, he's the only one. And you got any guess what his rank is in PPR? First of all, he's your ninth best 80. player according to the point standings. Ninth best Eight. player. 80. So 164. Last, yeah. Oh I was going to say last year, last year he was like 140-something. 
So that he, doesn't surprise me. So 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 what he does is, and DPR is going to be bad too, right? Because when we think of a dirty player, how are they? Let's conceptualize how they win, right? I lay a block, you lay a block, we hit some air mails, and on average, right? Because DPR is really just a measure of how quickly you're beating opponents. Yes. Right? If I beat someone 22 to 4 and I beat somebody else 22 to 4, I take 20 rounds to win the first one and 10 the second one, right? My DPR is different from those. I agree with you so far. So so the only difference is, and I'm, I'm I've been thinking even more about this, right? I'm beating opponents with a dirty style game with a wash, a wash a two, and then a seven, and okay. then a wash, and then a five, and then a wash, and then a wash, and then a six, right? I'm I'm driving big value. So it's almost like I want a DPR value only counting rounds in which I score. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? So with because, that being said, what would you think Eric Davis's DPR ranking is? So again, no. Over the long term, if he's washing a bunch, that DPR is going to be really, really small because you're spreading it over a large number of rounds. Where he's winning is he's going to he's going to deal with you washing with him on a seven, seven wash. You're saying he's going to grind you down eventually. He's going to grind you down, but then he's going to get into a round where he's completely blocked the hole and he rolls or airmails three times and you only hit one of them and he scores a six. Yep. And he does that two or three times in a game, and he beats you. So I think that the ultimate statistic for a really dirty-style player is going to be DPR in rounds that they score. Yeah, minus the washes. Right? So, take out my score. Yeah, take those so out. overall, I don't have that number, but overall, his DPR, he came in 21st place. Yeah. Interesting. So, so not too yeah, bad. Yeah, I mean, he uh... – he said it himself on a recent podcast. He said, I don't score big rounds often. I'm going to beat you by ones and twos. I'm beating you by small points. So that all makes sense. I think it's kind of the opposite. I feel like he gets, because I was having this conversation with him when he was getting frustrated when he was giving up big rounds. I said, Eric, you don't need to be frustrated like other people. You get big rounds more than other people do. So you don't need to be so concerned when you give up a five because you're probably going to get a random seven or eight or nine. And, maybe, shot. and I could be completely flawed in that logic. I mean, Anthony, based on what you just said, that kind of contradicts my thought process. Correct. My thought process is a dirty style player gets more of a big gets round. A big round. So, so you're Trey, saying they're think, spread out. Do you think he wins a lot of rounds? Do you think he's he's high in the in the win percentage of his rounds? I don't. I don't think I, based overall. on my, my gut would have said no. Do you know where he, he is, is in round percentage? Not, not necessarily just the raw number, but I've got his gap between the number of rounds won and the number of rounds lost. And his, and his gap, he is the 16th best player in the league. Hmm. So he wins yeah. a lot more know. rounds. He wins a lot more rounds than he loses. There's only 15 players in the game that have a better percentage than they than he does. As much as I would love to talk about Eric Davis for an entire episode, <laughs> we do have to move on. He is the <laughs> you know he's my favorite, um, but we have a lot more to get to. So I'm loving this conversation, though. All right, guys. All right. See Thanks. We'll see you see next Mike. time. All right. So we do have to get to the actual throwdown that occurred uh, after the shootout.
First place was Ryan Windsor and Devin Harbaugh. Second place, Trevor Brooks and Berkeley Pear. This was so fun to watch. And the Crew Cup, which I don't think is on here anywhere, Trey, but that was super fun as well. That final, I mean, the ending with Noah Almanza hitting that airmail. I mean, backside. That, that backside, that was crazy. Um, so, yeah, what are your thoughts on that throwdown finals? Yeah, so I mean, it was it was cool to be there, cool to be a part of it. It's it's a different atmosphere, right? I mean, we even had our PA announcer, Chismark, Rob Chismark. He was on the floor, just yep. right in people's <laughs> faces. I mean, that was something different. Um, you know, I liked it. I I liked it. It gave us like I want to do that with a little bit of modification, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't know if I want you know. Uh, the the PA announcer to be a foot and a half away from <laughs> just you know is he gonna make this shot like right? yeah yeah I don't know if I want that but I kind of like the idea you know one complaint that I always get about me is that it's kind of too quiet you can kind of hear me but if you have a PA yeah. announcer that's continuously yeah. drawing people away into focusing on something different engaging the crowd a little bit more I actually didn't didn't hate the the setup there so that was that was interesting but. As far as the throwdown finals go, I mean, you talk about a grind. I thought that was a grind. I mean, you play, Mm -hmm. you know, seven games the day before and rounders to try to get all the way there. Then you're going from – once you make it into your tier, 384 teams all the way down to the final one. Um, It was just – it it was really cool to be a part of for the first time. I mean, it was great to see Trevor Brooks back. I think Mm -hmm. from the shootout – to the second one, how many times do we see someone on their second time making a broadcast is really where they make that jump. The first time, they're kind of like deer in the headlight look of, yeah. oh, man, this is this is really big. This is something. And then they settle in the second time. And I think that's exactly what we saw from Trevor Brooks the second uh, second time. But, but in the end, it was Ryan Windsor and Devin Harbaugh being the players that we thought in 2022 they'd beat, mm-hmm. right? Ryan Windsor has been a top five player for the last, what, 45 years, it feels like. And now, you know, this season he wasn't that top five player. But he played like it this time. He was so good. Devin Harbaugh, the same thing. I would have put money on the fact that Devin Harbaugh would be in the final eight this season, right? He, he, yeah. he wasn't, right? So they played to their potential this past weekend. It was exciting to watch, and ultimately that's why they got the win. I didn't say much about it because I know Anthony will get into it, but a mini shout-out to the baby goat for making his ESPN debut. Although, although it wasn't at a national event, it was still cool to see, you know, a 12 year old or a 13 year old now on the broadcast um, really showing out. And I think that'll give him some confidence going into next season. And so mature. He's so mature. Go ahead, Anthony. Yeah, that's a good lead. in then Trey, so then an ESPN three counts as a linear broadcast. Is that right? (laughs) I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll count it for you. Anthony. Well, shit, we got there then, Trey. Come on. <laughs> oh, man. I've been saying it all year, like you said. Alex Hicks on a linear broadcast this season. But, my man, he drug me out all the way to the last event, right? Suspenseful. Um, I'm just excited that the world got a taste of Alex Hicks. I mean, he showed off his roll bag, his airmail. He showed the ability to push and run bags. But, man, nothing really stood out more to me than how composed he was on the big stage. I mean, his pre-pitch routine was methodical and it was repetitive. His body language was controlled. Uh, he showed a little, you know, dissatisfaction on a bad shot, but then he quickly got right back into the mix to focus on the next shot. It's just the beginning for the baby go. I expect to see him again and again on the TV broadcast. 
we got there. I'm excited about that. Wooten and Belvin, something yeah. just seems to work nicely for them, right, Mish? Oh, yeah. I mean, they made history Outside. last year. Outside. Outside. Yeah. Shootout seven. They win it last year. Um, finals in McKenzie last year. Final four this year. Both of them really just throwing the best bags that that they have ever in the final months of the season. They're trending up hard, in my opinion, coming into last season or next season. But even before next season, they're both in the shootout finals. Belvin's got the Airmail City. They're going to be dangerous going into those. I think they're going to look really good. Um, Trey, I, I combed. I came chrome through that entire 1,000 team roster line by line by line. I got to be honest, man. Berkeley Pear and Trevor Brooks did not pop off the list to me. I mean, e even to make a bracket final. I mean, what about you? Did you did you see that coming? No, but in retrospect, it makes sense. Like I said, Trevor Brooks. It's something about that space and that event. And I mean. He said he said time and time again, this is his Super Bowl, if you will. And and he and he proved that. Yeah, Berkeley said the same thing. I think it was in your interview, uh, Mish. He was saying that uh I, I've always wanted to do this event with Trevor Brooks. Um, so there's a reason, you know. Um, but uh, getting Tr Brooks back on the final or on the broadcast, it's been a while. He looked like the Brooks of old. Um, it was awesome to see that energy that he brings to the broadcast which I feel is fading a little bit. I feel like that energy is slowly fading. Um, I mean, if you look back, Cornhole was built off that energy, right? If we look at the original broadcast, you can see and feel all of that energy on those old school broadcasts. Um, but again, it just feels like something's missing. Maybe maybe that that element of having the uh, the Chismark style presence on the court could, could get people kind of more hyped up, maybe add a little bit more energy. I don't know. We'll have to see how that goes. But I was actually surprised at how Berkeley matched his energy. I mean, he was giving it right back at him the whole yeah. time. And I haven't seen that from him in the pro division with his current partner. So I love to see that. What a run for those boys. But yeah, you talked about the champs, Harbaugh, Windsor. Harbaugh was absolutely fire on the broadcast matches. Uh, Windsor was right there with him. They had to go through Derek King, Tony Smith. Then they had to get Jay Rubin and Jamie Graham twice to get out of their bracket. Then they run into Richards Hicks to get to the championship match. Like you said, I, Halbert has all the talent of being a top player. He just seems to those deep tournament tournament finishes seem to like always kind of just right out of his reach. You know, it just hasn't gone his way. We talked a little bit about it at worlds during the USA uh, cornhole event. The guy's laser focused. Um, he just has this don't quit mentality. So I think next season is going to be really good for Harbaugh, but we see the same thing with Ryan Windsor top two in the world three years in a row he fell off this season we've also talked about that fall not phased at all in the slightest i mean he knows he can be back on top um and he brings that confidence and that skill set to every game so i'm super pumped for those guys mish those guys are solid on the boards but they're really really good people off the boards mm -hmm. for 2022 spencer mckenzie champs 30k in the pocket Congrats yeah, so guys. did you guys see when uh, Haley walked around and asked the people what they would do with the money? She got Ryan Windsor, and he said it was going to be a down payment for an RV. So I'm looking for those RV. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, better, you can't let us down. You got to get the RV now. Yes, what he said. 
Um, all right. We have a super exciting weekend coming up. We have our pro invitational and we have our shootout championship. I'm going to go through those matches and then give you guys some time to chat about it. So on Sunday, September 4th at 4 p.m. Eastern at Airmill City, we're going to have Tanner Halbert and Whitney Martinez versus Connie Altice and Josh Holland. The winner of that will play Tony Smith and Kaylee Hunter, who are playing Courtney Coy and Alex Rawls. So those matches will come up. And then we have Jamie Graham and Sarah Cassidy versus Mark Richards and Cheyenne Renner who will play the winner of Matt Guy and Yeti Irwan and Noah Almanza and Cameron Belden. Going into the shootouts, we have Guy Davis versus Valdivia Parent, Wooten Windsor versus Bernicette Richards, Smith Lopez versus Cobb Batson, Graham Guy versus Birchfield Rawls. Those are our doubles. For women's, we have Renner and uh, Renner versus Irwan, Coy, Miranda Coy versus Fillingham, Streaker versus Belvin, and Hunter versus Finley. And for men's singles, Graham versus Maudlin, Humans versus Holland, Rawls versus Halbert, and Smith, Ryan Smith versus Eric Davis. So that's what's coming up at Airmel City. The, uh, pr the Pro Shootout Championship will be Saturday, September 3rd at 6 p.m. Eastern for the prelims. And the finals will be Sunday, September 4th at 1 p.m. Eastern. So what are your thoughts on everything happening at Airmel City this coming weekend, Trey? Yeah, it's going to be a big one. I'll, I'll start with what's happening Saturday with the Pro Shootout Championship. On the women's side, uh, I <laughs> I really like Cheyenne Renner's road to, to another win. I know that sounds dumb, right? Yeah. But she's got to play Yeti Irwan first game. Yeti Irwan has shown some ups and downs on the broadcast court, right? That plays into Renner's hand. Then she's got to play Coy and Fillingham, two players that Anthony just told me did not finish in the final eight of the women's singles final standing. So Cheyenne Renner does, has to play someone that hasn't shown consistency on the biggest stage and then two players that aren't in the top eight of the women's standings in order to get to the finals. Not to mention she already won this last year. She's already won a women's singles and already won a women's doubles championship. I just really like her to repeat. I mean, I wanted to look for an excuse not to get that. But on the other side, I mean, you're looking at you know, Cameron Belvin, Sam Finley, Rosie Streaker, and Kaylee Hunter, four top women, all having to beat each other up before they can even get to Cheyenne. So, um, you know, I find it really interesting. I think it'll be, see how she does on the men's single side. I I, I think Jamie Graham, you know, I, I really think in my mind is, is probably the favorite here. When I look at his his road, you got to be Frank Maudlin, who's find a way Frank. Um which, which, you know, in a way is, 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 um, is going to be tough, but at the same time, he's had history there. You know, you, you have history against Frank Maudlin and Josh Holland and Jamie Grimm has had success against both of those specific players. If Jimmy humans is able to get past Josh Holland, then maybe I like humans to give Jamie some fits, but the people that give Jamie some fits are on the other side, Tanner Halbert, Alex Rawls, Ryan Smith, Eric Davis. Those are all people that can give Jamie fits, but he's on the other side. Um, and then finally, in doubles, you know, I really think it's a toss-up in that, that top side of the bracket. The feature match, uh, two top five teams in the country, and really the only top teams that normally play together, they have to go against each other first round with Graham and Guy, Birchfield and Rawls. So I think that's going to be a really interesting matchup that ultimately may decide the entire bracket for the championship. Agreed. Anthony, what are your thoughts on both the shootout and the pro invitational? Yeah, that was a really good summary, Trey. I'm uh, just looking at the pro invitational. I mean, if we take anything from what happened this past weekend, I'm looking at this entire list. We've got a bunch of baggers 
that throw really nice bags in the wind. But then you've got a Matt guy with this floppy bag and a Yeti Irwan with a flappy bag. They're going to win. They're going to win this thing, Trey. <laughs> exactly. If we're going to do anything like this past uh, weekend, that is true. Yeah. Yeah. No, go yeah, ahead, Trey. What were you going to say? I was just going to say, you know, uh, on the pro invitational side, I think the opposite is kind of true for me. I, I previewed Renner and Graham being the two players that I thought really had the best chance. And although Cheyenne Renner is with Mark Richards, I think uh, you could argue the two best, best teams in that lineup for the Pro Invitational had to play each other the first game. First. Mm-hmm. So you're knocking one of those out yeah. immediately, regardless of what you get, right? So then it comes down to, you know, who, who wins the whole thing? If you're a Renner's and Renner's Renner and Richards fan, I get it. You should be stoked about what you're seeing. Here's the problem. Here's the lineup of what maybe probably you have to go through. Graham and Cassidy. Then probably Cameron Belvin with as good as she's been against Noah Almanza in the backyard where Almanza and Cameron Belvin have been a thousand times already. Right. Then in the finals, take your pick, Tony Smith, Kaylee Hunter, Josh Holland, Connie Altice, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, though that's, you know, even if their odds are 70% to win each one of those games, do your math, ladies and gentlemen, 70% times three, that's a less than 50% chance that I think, you know, Renner and Richards have, have to win this entire thing. I just, I don't know. I think it's going to be really tough for them given their head-to-head matchups. And I don't think it's going to be an easy waltz through like everybody thinks it will be. Agreed. Hey, hey, Trey, just quick quick check on math because we see players in the uh, Pro Invitational, players in the uh, Shootout Champion, both singles and doubles. What's the what's the potential there if one player can win all, all of those? Yeah, so let's look at who you – I mean, let's say someone – let's look at a Jamie Graham. Yep. So a first place in a men's singles pro shootout championship would get him 40 grand. A first place in doubles at the pro shootout championship would get them a hundred thousand dollars combined. So that'd be a $50,000 prize awarded to Jamie Graham individually. And then on Sunday, a first place prize at the pro invitational is another, excuse me, $40,000 to share as a team. Okay. So that's another $20,000 as an individual. You do your 40 plus your 50 wow. plus your 20. That's a potential payout for a Jamie Graham of $110,000 on a weekend. Wow. A couple other players like that. I think Matt Guy's in that boat. Um, Alex Rawls is in that boat. Um, I think those are the only three, correct, that have a chance to kind of go with with all of them. Tanner Halbert's not on the doubles yeah, I think you're side. Right. Yeah, Jamie Richard, Graham. Richard is not on the singles. Yep. Yeah, Richard is not on the singles. Renner's not in on the doubles. So, yeah, it, it ultimately comes down to Matt Guy, Jamie Graham, and Alex Rawls. Well, Matt Guy's not on the singles. Oh, yeah, you're right. Matt Guy's not on the singles. Yep. yep. So it's just Jamie Graham and Alex Rawls. So I really like Jamie Graham. Just because I think, um, you know, I, I really think that at least on the pro invitational side, Sarah Cassidy is going to be a little bit more consistent than um, than Courtney Coy will be for Alex Rawls on the pro invitational side. So, uh, man, 
It, that's like I said, I think Jamie Graham's got the highest upside this weekend as far as individual payouts go. And he's already done the sweep international this year. So it kind that's of right. like shows that he's capable of doing that. He's done it once. That actually is perfect setup for our hot takes. Trey, you got a hot take? Yep. I, I will give kind of a, a weird hot take, but I'll say that somebody this weekend wins $90,000 or more. Ooh, okay. okay. That's kind of close to mine. Okay. What's yours, Anthony? Uh, I'm going to go with the Naramel City. So you got Matt Guy, Yeti Irwan. Yeti Irwan came up on all slides. Matt Guy's got the incinerators, very similar to the all slides. She's going to start practicing with those starting today. They've got those fluttery bags that worked at the shootout this past weekend. I'm going to say those two take down uh, the Aramel City. Uh, yeah. Wow, that is that is hot. I, mine's not that hot. I, I was, before you said it, I was going with Jamie Graham for the sweep. I think he can do it. I think he's got a good chance. And I think he can walk away with $110,000. So, wow. Yep, there we go. Let's go, Jamie. You got this. <laughs> That's all we got time for for our episode today. Uh, everyone tune in to all the Aramel, Aramel City content coming up this weekend. And we will see you all next time.